Thanks for listening to the sermon podcast from the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planning churches. You're about to hear a message that was preached live from one of our recent church services. We hope that you'll open your heart to hear the Holy Spirit speaking directly through this message. Stay tuned after the message for information on how to get connected with us. Thanks again, and enjoy today's message. Someone who has a, a low vocabulary is not able to properly process in their mind. They're not able to think well. So a very literate person, someone who is able to read well, is also someone who is able to learn well and someone who's able to think well. And so I'm going to give you about five minutes right here to go ahead and fill this out because I know you're not going to be able to do that and listen to me at the same time. So this is pop quiz. This is a Bible literacy test. And I want you to fill out the front, and I want you to fill out the back, and I want you to do the best you can. No Googling allowed. Keep Bibles closed. I want you to do your best from your own mind. And you have five minutes. Go. Okay. So on your own time, we don't want to take more time now because I've already taken up too much time. But this is a, a tool for you to gauge your Bible literacy. Out of 20... You can score how many you got right. If it's less than half, you're a normal Christian in America today. That is true. Okay, so what I need to do now is I need to ask you to put that away so that you can pay attention to what I'm about to say next. Joshua chapter 1, verse 8. We're going to look at the Word of God. In Joshua, Joshua is the predecessor or he is rather the successor of the ministry of Moses. Moses, we know, has gotten, he has received the law from God on the mountain. The Ten Commandments, yes, but much so much more than that. The instructions of how God wanted his people to live for him, how he wanted them to be different than the world. So Moses had received this vast book of instructions of what to do, what not to do. And so now as Joshua takes the mantle of leadership, Uh, leading the people of God as they go into the promised land. This was his first instructions that he gave. Some of his first instructions, Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, that I want to read to you tonight, where it says, Study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night, so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. That is a powerful promise tonight. Remember what I said about literacy. If you didn't learn how to read in kindergarten, first, second, third grade, if you couldn't learn those basic fundamentals about how to receive information, then whatever you uh, imagine being in your favorite class with your favorite teacher and not being able to understand. This is the problem with people who do not have the tools to receive instructions from this book of the law. If you don't have this right, it's going to be very difficult for you to have a relationship with God because God relates to his people through his word. Is everybody hearing me so far? The word of God is the way that God relates to you. God doesn't show up and uh, on your screen. God doesn't show up uh, in your, in your uh, social media. The word of God is how he speaks to you. And this is why it's so critical that the people of God 
are literate in the Bible. And that's what we're going to look at this evening. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come by the blood of Jesus. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to gather together in your house, Lord, for the miracle of the word of God that has been given to us. Lord, let us not forsake it and let us not uh, turn away from this book of instructions. Lord, we want to obey your word. We want to prosper. We want to succeed in all that we do. And that only happens, Lord, as we seriously become students of your word. I'm praying God inspire us once again in this new year, Lord, to, to mine the depths of the word of God and let it be a blessing in our lives today. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people say, amen. So what is Bible literacy? What are we talking about, first of all, tonight? And what I, uh, this is a little bit of a, of a distraction tonight. Because Bible literacy, it does involve factual information. It does involve uh, memorization and good study habits. But it, that's not the whole story. Bible literacy is more than just factual knowledge. Do you know why I say that tonight? Because I could take this same pop quiz and give it to a theology teacher at the local, uh, at the local, uh, uh Bible college and they could fill it out 100% and still be cold in their hearts. Okay. So I don't want you to think that if you aced it, that you have something to be proud of. I also don't want you to think that if you flunked it, that there's no hope for you. It is more than just this test. This is just, this is just a way for you to gauge how well you're doing so far in your walk with God at becoming literate in the Bible. But it is more than just factual knowledge. It's more than just being able to rattle off the name of Adam and Eve's third son or who collected the gold jewelry. It does, it doesn't help only to be able to explain Christian terminology and words like propitiation or sanctification, those things will help you as you read the Bible, but that's not the end of, the, of, of Bible literacy. That's not what we're talking about. You cannot demonstrate Bible literacy just by passing a test. The other thing that it's not, Bible literacy is not church attendance. It's not a ceremony. It's not a box that we check and then move on to other things, okay? It's not sitting through a church service every week. Some people think that I've been going to church for 20 years. I'm grateful. That's why I wanted to give this to you. To demonstrate, there's probably still a few things that you don't know or maybe that you've forgotten along the way. Is that possible? So what does it mean then? If, if we're talking about being literate in the Bible, being able to speak the language that God speaks to us in, it means tonight having a, a deeper awareness, developing an awareness of the meaning of what is in the Bible. It is understanding that the word of God is a narrative, that from the first page until the closing chapter, that there is a common theme and a narrative being played out, and it is a narrative of redemption. That from the garden to the cross and ultimately to uh, to. Uh, reconciliation of all things in heaven, that God is taking us on a journey somewhere. To become Bible biblically literate means that we have a deepening awareness of this thing, that behind every word and every story that God tells in his book, that there is a piece of him to be discovered. It is also the ability to rightly read and understand the Bible. Have you ever traveled to another country? that doesn't speak English? 
I had the wonderful opportunity to do that a few weeks ago when I was in uh, uh, Mozambique, where they speak Portuguese. So I speak a little bit of Spanish, or at least I can understand a few words, and because the Spanish is close to Portuguese, I could pick up a few words here and there. But here's what I could not do. If someone, uh, I preach a service, and someone comes to me after the service and starts to try to begin explaining their problems to me, I'm going to get lost very quickly. I can't understand them. They can't understand me because we're speaking different languages. Sometimes I feel God is entering into the services. God is coming down to meet with us in church services. God is saying, he's pulling us aside, and he's saying, uh, we need to have a little talk here. Son, daughter, I've got something I need to tell you. But when we are not biblically literate, it is difficult for us to receive the things that God is trying to speak to us. Does that make sense? When we are unfamiliar with the terminology, when we don't understand the themes of the stories in the Bible, the people that are explained there, the things that they went through, the Jesus, that how he was revealed in the gospel accounts, when we don't have a basic concept of those, of those things, it's not that God can never speak to you. It's just that it's difficult. It's like you're speaking two different languages. It's like you being dropped in the middle of Timbuktu, where the language is vastly different. And sometimes that's what it's like when people get saved, isn't it? When people come start coming to church for the first time, it's like they're dropped into this whole new subculture called Christianity. And we're all, we're all focused on this ancient book that is difficult to understand. And we have to think about the cultures of the time and the, the, the ways of those people and the languages that they speak. And it's like being dropped into this foreign nation. But I'm telling you tonight, it is critical that each and every one of us learn this language. Cause if we don't, it's going to be difficult for you to hear from God. Because God speaks through his word. This is what Joshua was trying to tell the people of God in his time. Listen to his instructions one more time. He said, study this book of instruction continually. How often? Is that once a week? Is that, is that Sunday mornings when the preacher's talking? No. Study this book of instruction continually, continually, continually. He goes on and he says, meditate on it day and night, day and night. That is means it's more than once a day. Now, Christians today, I, I think I put a graphic up there on the screen, hopefully. Yeah, we got it. Okay. Uh, so this is a study that was done. This is a survey done among Christians from a couple of years ago. The question was, how much of the Bible have you personally read? Now, this is not a question that they ask to the world, unbelievers. This is a question they asked to Christians. And look at the various answers. How much of the Bible have you personally read Christian? 10% said zero. Haven't even cracked it open. I don't know what a Bible is. Can I tell you something about that 10%? They're not going to be Christians for long. What I mean by that, unless God speaks to them, they are on a path which leads to dangerous territory where the devil is able to swipe them out of God's hand. The devil is able to set a snare for them, and they won't have the tools, the insight, the revelation to understand any better. 
That is a dangerous 10%. I'm glad they put it in red. 13% said only a few sentences. You know who that is? That's the one who shows up to church two or three times a year. Says, I made it. Check the box. Got my uh, inoculation for the year. Got my, got my Jesus shot. I'll see you next Christmas. Right? 30%. Now, we're up to, let's see, 30, 43. This is half. Now we're at half. Have They say either zero of the Bible that I've personally read, only a few sentences, or 30% say several passages or stories. Okay, this is probably what they picked up in Sunday school when they were kids. This comes out of Christian tradition, growing up in a Christian house, going to Sunday school, right? The other half are the people that are a little more serious. 15% say that they have read at least half of the Bible. 12% say almost all of it. 11% say all of it. And 9% say all of it more than once. Less than 10% of Christians have read the Bible more than one time. Now, (laughs) what if I told you you can't have oxygen for the next five minutes? Would you be okay with that? You would not be okay with that. What if I told you you could not have one spoonful of cod liver oil for the rest of your life? That would be okay with you, correct? Okay, some of you don't even know what that is. That comes from an older time. Today, that comes in little capsules. They call it fish oil today, so you don't have to taste it. But cod liver oil is something that I don't know a lot about. It's something that somehow might be good for me in some theoretical way. Someone might try to force it on me, shove it down my throat, but I definitely don't want it. And if you told me I never had to take it again, I'd be okay with that. That's 10%. Who think that the Bible is like cod liver oil. I don't understand it. It's difficult. It's complicated. If you told me that I don't have to read it, I'd be okay with that because I'm kind of comfortable in what I understand already. But what I'm trying to get across to you tonight is that the Bible is not cod liver oil. The Bible is more like oxygen. And you'll tell the difference once you have a habit of reading it and studying it and allowing the Word of God to impact you, you will notice on the days that you don't have it, just like oxygen. How many of you know what it's like to fast? Okay, you've fasted before. There have been times when you set aside to deprive your body of food. Can I ask you, when you fast, do you notice anything different about yourself? Yes, things change quickly, correct? Your body is designed to need caloric intake. So when you are fasting, your body starts changing. This is also true with the Word of God. Jesus said that He is the Word of God made flesh, and He said, I am the bread which comes down from heaven. He's speaking, He's referring back to the manna which fell in the wilderness, that that miracle bread that rained down from heaven to God's people each and every day to supply them with enough sustenance to get through their Time of need. And Jesus said, as the manna fell in the wilderness, so am I the bread of life which gives you your daily bread. Isn't that the prayer he taught us? Give us this day. If you didn't know the end of that, you are like many Americans today, many people around the world who are biblically illiterate, who do not have the tools to be able to receive from God. 
This is why you need to teach your children the Bible. Did you know that in um, in revolutionary times, when America was still being founded, every public school taught from the Bible? Spelling. Let's talk about A, how do you spell Adam? B, how do you spell Bible? C, how do you spell Cain? And all of those spelling words came directly from the Bible. All of the geography was taught. Let's figure out where the Bible places are located on the map. The Bible was integrated into everything that people learned at that time. And that's why it's no surprise that the Bible is littered throughout our, our founders' teachings and their writings. If you, uh, <clears throat> they, they have estimated that the, uh, the, the 50, what is it, 56 signers of the Declaration, something like 33 of them were ordained ministers. Did you know that? That means when they wrote letters to one another that they would have biblical references. You read them today, you wouldn't pick it up because we are not as biblically literate. They would use examples from the Bible. It informed their decision-making even in the Declaration of Independence where it's uh, that all men are created by one God, right, under under God. And, uh, and all of this, what I'm saying is that it informed their daily life. Not every one of them was a Christian. Of course, they were not perfect. We understand that. But what I'm saying is that they had something that many of us today don't have. That is the tools to understand the word of God. Why is it so important? Hebrews 4 verse 12. The word of God is alive. Say the word alive. Your Facebook feed is not alive. It's dead. It might be interesting. It might spark curiosity. What it does not do, it doesn't change your life. Your Instagram feed is not alive. But the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow, it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. This is why Joshua said we need to study these things continually. Do you suppose that in the word of God, I got to get it out because I'm talking about it, do you suppose that in this book, there is enough to occupy your attention? Do you suppose that there is enough to spark your curiosity on a daily and an ongoing and a continual basis? Of course there is. This book has been around, well, the New Testament for 2,000 years, the Old Testament for something like 3,000 years, and for those 3,000 years of human history, it has been tested Time and time again, and people have built their lives around these words, and it has been found worthy. It has passed the test of time. It continues to be the most sold book in the entire world. It continues to, to uh, drive people and change people's lives. You know, especially when you look at a portion of the Word of God, like Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7, also known as the Sermon on the Mount, these are words that have changed entire generations, nations. The, the Sermon on the Mount, what Jesus taught, a collection of his most potent and powerful teachings, <clears throat> that alone by itself would be enough to occupy you. Romans, we're studying Romans off and on on Wednesday nights. Romans, there's a reason why it's taken us three months to get through three chapters. Because it is filled with revelation and understanding. And the more you read it, the more you understand it, the more you get out of it. Meditate on it day and night. 
when you're busy, when you're not busy, when you're at home, when you're on vacation, when you're feeling good, when you're not feeling good. Because it is in God's word that God is able to speak to you. Everybody with me so far? Why do you need the Bible? <laughs> it's like asking, why do I need oxygen? Eh, I could take it. Eh, maybe not. No, you have to have it. That's, that's what we have to, our mentality has to change. If I want to do anything else in life, I need to breathe first. That's priority number one. Breathing comes first. And then I can be a good husband and a family and a father and a pastor. A- after I'm breathing well, then I can do everything else. Okay, we need to think the same way about the Bible. Before I get to do the rest of my day, I need the word of God. I need the bread. I need that manna to fall onto my life. Why do we need the Bible? Because in the Bible, we figure out who God is. Wouldn't you like to know who God is and what he's like? Man, it would be great if there was some magical book out there that would tell us all about God. We got it. It's here. We already got it. It tells us about who he is, that he's holy, that he is one, he is eternal, he is omnipotent, he is omnipresent, omniscient, he is perfect, he is merciful, he is gracious, he is slow to anger, he is steadfast in love and faithfulness, he is forgiving, he is just, he is wise. We learn all of these things through his word. We learn that it is through him that we even can have our existence. Through him, we live and move and have our being. Acts 17, 28. The more biblically literate you are, the more you will begin to grasp who God is and how complex he is. See, God, (laughs) let me me tell you, let me give you this little piece of information. If you can fully understand God, then he's not God. I don't want a God that I could fully understand because then he's not God anymore. I want a God who I could search through the depths of eternity and learn something new about him every five minutes and never be exhausted. That's the God we serve. And the more we study his word, the more we will learn about him, how complex. The second thing we learn from the word of God is not only who is God, but who are you? There is no better source of information about humanity than this book right here. You will learn about yourself. You will learn, contrary to what the world says, you know, the world says everybody's basically good, and you can trust people, most people. The Bible says we are sinful from the start. We are not basically good. God created us good, but sin has corrupted us. So people are not basically good. But that doesn't mean that people are irredeemable. Jesus died so that people could be saved. So what does the Bible say about you? God created man in his image. We fell from that image. We were corrupted by sin. But God still counts us worthy of the blood and the body of his son, Jesus Christ. You find purpose there. You find meaning. You find value there. That, that God put a plan in motion to save every man, woman, boy, and girl on planet Earth. That's good news. You learn about yourself. You learn that there are certain things that God made you for and certain things he did not make you for. You will learn about human, about male-female relationships in the Bible. 
Man, what a mystery that is. From the very first page, God put a man and a woman into a garden and said, go make a lot of babies. And that started the very complex relationship between men and women throughout all the ages. If you want to learn about that mysterious relationship, I got a good book for you to read. Lots of mistakes, lots of, uh, lots of flawed individuals to learn from, but it's all there. It teaches us about how to have family, how to raise children, how to be a good parent, how to make money, how to run government. It's all in there. It also answers the question, why did Jesus need to die and be resurrected? See, the world doesn't understand that. To the world, the gospel is foolishness for those who are perishing. It makes no sense for somebody trying to start a great movement. It makes no sense for him to gather a following and then go to a cross and die. Why would you do that? Unless there was a greater purpose. And that purpose was to be the lamb who laid down his life for the sheep. Biblical imagery, right? The sheep, the lamb that laid down his life. That goes back to Abraham who sacrificed his own son on Mount Moriah who was willing to to sacrifice his son, God stopped his his hand at the last moment and said, there is a ram caught in the thicket. Don't do it. I have provided for you, Abraham. That is all pointing forward to what Jesus did. It also points backward. Remember we said that Abel, righteous Abel, he was a shepherd. And that he he was killed in his righteousness. That points forward to Jesus. But it also points backward to the garden. What? What's in the garden? The Bible said when they sinned, they realized they were naked. Ha! They were ashamed for the first time. And the Bible says that God made them a tunic made of skin. Skin? What kind of skin? That means God is the first. He he commits the first act of violent death on planet Earth. He had to kill an animal to cover Adam and Eve in their nakedness. How much you want to bet it was a lamb? The Bible's not specific. I'm just taking a guess. But we do know that God covered them with skin. That points forward to Abel, which points forward to Abraham, which points forward to Jesus. And if you don't make these connections, you're missing out. So I just want to close with this last thought. There are times when God says we need to talk. If you're married, you need to watch out for these words. Honey, we need to talk. You know something important is coming next, right? Something that can change your world. We need to talk. I believe that there are times when God will approach you and he will say, son, daughter, we need to talk. And when he says that, you better have the ability to receive the language that God speaks. That language is not Hebrew. It's not Greek. God speaks to us through his word. That's why. That's why we study it. He speaks to us. Again, Jesus, the word who became flesh. He is the incarnate, the living word of God. To know the word is to know Jesus. And so all of that to say, we have a Bible reading program this year. I want to highly encourage you once again, if you don't have your own plan that you're already doing, why don't you join us? We do this every year. We do this every year because we want to be that 9% of crazy people that read the Bible more than once in our whole lifetime. 
There was a tradition going back generations to read the Bible, read through the Bible intently every year, at least. Many, uh, many ancient Christians, pastors, theologians of the past, they would read through the Bible multiple times per year. And so for you to think, hey, I finished the book of John this year and put a big award on my chest. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you. I'm just saying we need to set our expectations a little bit higher. We need to develop an appetite. You know, an appetite, right? Some of us have developed appetites for not great things like Twinkies and donuts. If you have the appetite for those things, you're going to fill your life with them and it's going to shorten your life and fatten your belt. (laughs) Thank you. If you have an appetite for things that are good for you, if you have an appetite for broccoli, I have a daughter who actually likes broccoli. It's amazing. Look at her. She's shaking her head. Yes. How crazy is that? (laughs) That's good. You need to encourage that appetite because that appetite will actually produce good things in you. Yes? It's also true spiritually. There are things spiritually that we allow in our eyes, in our ears. We allow into our heart the messages from the world that when we latch on to that appetite, to that type of food, it causes destruction. Ever ever been doom scrolling before? Ever been Netflix binging before? Ever been caught in the uh, in the fantasy world of uh, gaming and addiction for hours and days and weeks at a time. That's what exactly what this is. It is an appetite that you've developed for things that do not help you. Is it going to send you to hell? No, I can't say that. But I am saying that we need to, as believers, as people who want to hear from God, when he says, son, daughter, we need to talk. We need to be the people that can shut off the distractions that can spend time alone with God and his word and be able to hear from him. My prayer for you is that you would be able to hear from God for yourself, that you don't need to come to church to hear from God. You don't need to come to the altar to hear from God. You can open your Bible and your heart and say, Lord, here I am, like, like, uh, like young Eli, not Eli, Samuel, who said, Lord, speak to me. Your servant is listening. I'm going to shut off the distractions. I'm going to deal with the bad appetites. And God, I want to hear from you tonight. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We bring the service to a close. I believe that God desperately wants to speak to us. He doesn't want to shut us out. He is not a cruel father. Just like a father desires to have relationship with his children, even more so, there's a God in heaven. If you are his child and he is your father, he wants to fellowship with you. He wants to spend time. He wants to know you, and he wants you to know him. And that all happens through the avenue of his word. People have trouble with prayer today. I don't know what to pray, Pastor. That's because you don't read your word. If you simply picked up and opened up the book of Psalms and started reading, you would very quickly discover some prayers that would apply to your situation right now. Maybe if you don't know what to pray, just open the book and pray some of those prayers. There are people who have trouble giving generosity. You know, there's there's a few scriptures that would help if you would realize 
what God promises to those who are generous. There's people who have trouble with holiness, with habitual sins in your life. Oh, wouldn't it be nice if God gave us some instructions on how to overcome sin? He has. He has. It's all there. Do you know it? Do you seek it? Are you diligent day and night like Joshua instructed? Continually seeking. Continually knowing. Paul's instruction to Timothy is be diligent. Rightly dividing the word of truth. That's not just listening to a sermon. That's for yourself, each and every individual. We have such a gift. We have more access to the Word of God today than any other generation previously. And what do we spend our time doing? A lot of other things. Tonight, I want to I open up this altar and I, I want to ask you to join me to renew your commitment to hearing the Word of God. Before we open up this altar, if you're here tonight, you're not right with God, but you need to be. This gospel, this message of hope was crafted by Jesus, the God of heaven who put the plan in motion of salvation. He sent his son to the earth to die so that we can be cleansed from our sins. And maybe you're here, your sin has not been cleansed. You're here, you're not right with God, but you want to be. You're in the best place you possibly could be because right now, before you leave this place, You can receive a miracle from heaven, a miracle of salvation, sins forgiven, the old life passed away, everything becoming new. If you need that, I want to pray with you tonight. Would you lift up your hand? Is there someone here? Believing God for salvation of your soul. Say, God, hear my prayer. I'm lost, but I need to be found. I'm like that lost sheep. Leaving, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd who leaves the 99 behind to come and find the one that is lost. And you're that lost sheep tonight. Is that you? Thank you for listening to this message from the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach. If you sense the Holy Spirit drawing you out of your sins and into a new life with Him, pray this prayer from your heart today. God in heaven, I know I've sinned against you. I've hurt people, I've hurt myself, and I've broken your laws. Today, I turn from my sins as I surrender to your perfect will. I believe Jesus Christ is your Son and that He died and rose again for me. I receive Him today as my Lord and Savior. May the old things of my past pass away as you make me a new creation. Please fill me with your Holy Spirit to give me strength to live for you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. We want to help you live for God. Please join us in person for one of our upcoming church services. We are located in the heart of Virginia Beach at 1045 Linhaven Parkway, about one mile from the Linhaven Mall. Please check the show notes for links to our website and social media. You can also find a link to support this ministry with a generous donation. We would be so grateful. We look forward to sharing future messages here on the VBPH Sermon Podcast. In the meantime, we pray that God would strengthen you to serve Him with all your heart.